Hey guys, I am Brandon Sewell, owner of Seal Pro Painting and Off the Ladder Podcast. We exist to help home service business owners learn so that they can lead well and ultimately live life off the ladder. Today's guest that I will be interviewing is Daniel Honan. Um, he is the business owner of Bookkeeping for Painters. He offers bookkeeping and tax services. He's been in business for seven years. Um, he serves the U.S. Um, he has 20 employees. And I'm going to read you a quick bio on Daniel. He's no ordinary professional. His background is as diverse as it is impressive. He's a former painting business owner himself. So he's faced the same challenges that you and I have faced. And he comes from the trenches of cold calling um, getting estimates, conducting in-home consultations, strategic planning required to manage crews, and running payroll. But that's not all. He is also a former military intelligence officer. Um, he has unique skills in intelligence gathering, analysis, and um, he's not just theoretical. Uh, they've been put to test in some of the most demanding environments you can imagine. Daniel's academically equipped as well. He holds an MBA and a degree in accounting. It's a rare combination of street smarts, book smarts, and battle-tested wisdom that Daniel brings to the table. Uh, he has used his rich tapestry of experiences to develop a revolutionary back-office system tailored for painting contractors. With his expert guidance, You'll not just learn to know your numbers, but you'll understand what those numbers mean. And Daniel has developed strategies to help you save significantly on taxes and has crafted streamlined processes to automate your operations, saving you both time and money. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. I'm so excited to dig into this and, um, you know, glean from the, the wisdom that you have. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience before we get started? No, I'm I'm super excited to be here, Brandon. I appreciate the the invite. I'm excited to get started and to dig into some of these topics. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more. How did you transition from you know the oper military intelligence operations into being a painting contractor and now um, owning a bookkeeping and accounting service? Yes. Yeah, so. I started out on the job site working for my dad who had a painting business when I was 15, 16, doing work during the summer, did that through high school. Then in college, I, I did the, uh, while I was getting my degree in accounting, I did the college works painting internship. So I ran a, a painting business there for a while. Then after college, I joined the military and went into intelligence. I went on several deployments. Um, and then uh, during a portion of that, I, I became a, uh, a National Guard reservist. And so I was doing civilian life and military life, uh, trying to balance those things. Um, during that period, I ended up starting uh, bookkeeping for painters and another painting business. And uh, because when I was starting bookkeeping for painters, I wanted to do accounting, which was my degree is in, but I also wanted to help a specific group of people. And I thought, well, I've kind of been exposed to the painting industry. I know a bit about that. So that's why I started there. And then I learned a lot from that, ended up running another painting business 
um, well, I owned another painting business. I and did kind of the back office and, and uh, portion of it. I had a operations manager and a salesperson on the ground doing the day-to-day operations. Um, throw in another deployment in there while I was um, <laughs> operating both of those businesses and um, came back and I consolidated my focus on bookkeeping for painters exclusively. So that that's kind of the crazy uh, journey there. Nice. Well, that sounds loaded. I love, you know, that you have this background in, in the military. I find that uh, guys that have military experience end up being pretty sharp uh, business owners. But hey, let's jump into some questions. So um, obviously, owning a business is very challenging. And I think that it's a very common thing that we see that uh, a lot of business owners do not like being in the trenches of the numbers, right? So I want you to share from your experience with the clients that you have, what are some of the most common uh, financial challenges, mistakes um, that painting contractors make when running their business? I think I think the num- number one issue is pricing, especially for painting businesses that are under 500000 in revenue, that seems to be the real, real hang-up point for them because they're often not charging enough, and so their profit margins aren't there, and it's really preventing them from growing. Yeah, that's, uh, that's just so good. I mean, I can definitely speak to that myself. Um, can you go into a quick explanation of you know, what good profit margins are. And I think maybe even try to help the audience understand the difference between like profit margin, markup, and kind of those nuances. Because I think a a lot of people think that they're charging enough, but they're really not. You know, they think they're making 50% profit margins, but really they're making 30 because they don't just understand the nuances of that. So could you go into a little bit of that detail? Yes, absolutely. So we'll, we'll still we'll, we'll stick with the zero to five hundred thousand because that's usually where most folks are having issues with this. And so, if you're in that um, category, your a good rule of thumb is that you're charging twice of what it costs you to do the work, as you alluded to a fifty percent gross profit margin. So, gross profit means after you pay for your direct labor and your direct materials, what's left over for for profit and overhead costs. So, uh, and, and again, the, the rule of thumb here is, what is it going to cost you to, to produce a job? So let's say you have a job that's $10,000 that you, you're charging the, cu- the customer $10,000. Mm-hmm. The labor that you need, need to pay out to, let's say a subcontractor is going to be $4,000. And then you have to buy... Sherwin Williams paints and sundries for a thousand dollars. So that's mm-hmm. four thousand plus one thousand is five thousand. So five thousand minus the the ten thousand price, five thousand is left over. So that is a fifty percent gross profit margin. So that's like kind of the the rule of thumb, especially starting out. Obviously, you can get really a lot. You know, there's uh, painting businesses that we've worked with that do over ten million, and they have a sixty five plus gross profit margin. So it's definitely 
possible to do way, way better margins than 50% gross profit margin. But that's kind of like the standard starting out. The average gross profit margin is 40%. So on because we do a lot of internal benchmarking with uh, we work with over 160 painting businesses across the US and Canada. So, um, you know, on average, 40% gross profit is what we typically see on, on average. However, uh, the ones that are squared away that are really pushing what they can charge, it's, it's looking like 50, 50% plus um, is a good target, generally speaking. And and to get to your question more specifically on like the nuances. So um, going back to the example, you're, you're, you have a, a project. The, the, the pricing really comes down to the production rates. And so uh, to define what that is, that, that's usually the problem. Like with the pricing, people don't understand production rates. They kind of um, are charging with some other method. And not to say other methods can't work. I just know that folks that are successful, they're using production rates. And so something's working there. There must be, they must be doing something right. Cause mm-hmm. for the most part, painting businesses over a million are pretty much exclusively using production rates. It's like an easy uh, methodology that you can also replicate and get other people to do stuff for you. Like other salespeople to use production rates to, to, to generate prices. So it's, there's something there. Um, but just to define our production, production rates is basically your, how long does it take to paint any particular surface? So you, you measure the surface, hundred square feet of, of siding. How long is it going to take your team to paint that siding or, you know, 10 linear feet of railing? How long will it take your team to paint that? So you add up the budgeted hours for a project and you multiply that by your, your labor rate loaded with burden. So that uh, typically these days, you know, $25 an hour, 20 to $25 an hour, depending on the skill level of a painter, and then add 20% approximately, this is obviously slightly different depending on what you're paying for workers comp um, and what your state payroll taxes or that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. just a rough, rough numbers here, 20, add 20%. So um if you're paying someone $20 an hour, add 20% to that's like $24 an hour, basically. So that's the the loaded rate. Um, and so you would take your, measure all the surfaces of the, the project, generate, okay, how long is I going to take my team to do this? Multiply it by your loaded burden. So this like $24 an hour. And to get your, how much, how much is it going to cost you for labor? And then if you're shooting for a 50% gross profit margin, you would double that. So a hundred percent markup, a hundred percent markup would get you a 50% gross profit margin. So a hundred percent markup is basically double, you know, charge the customer twice what it costs you. And then for materials, similar thing here. Um, you know, your how much, how much product do you need to, to complete the job? Uh, add that up, you know, and then hundred percent markup. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. There's other ways to do it, but that's the most straightforward way is 100% markup on the product as well. And so that's going to, again, get you to uh, 50% uh, profit margin there. Yeah, that's so good. And, you know, something that I hear a lot of times because, you know, guys just don't know what they don't know. You'll have these guys who, when they hear something like this, they're 
you know, automatic response might be, how can you charge a customer that, um, you know, it seems to them unfair or unethical? Um, can you go into more depth of why um, that 50% profit margin or above is so important and what that additional 50% profit margin does, um, you know, for you as the owner, for the business and, and why it's so important? Yeah, that's a good question. So assuming you started your business to help people, right? In order to help people, you have to be profitable to run the business to 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 hire people to help you so that you can provide for their families provide for your own family um, but also provide a great service I'm assuming you want to provide a great service to people um, that they're going to be super happy that they work with you so when you have when you price correctly and you have enough margin that's going to give you enough uh, give you the ability to hire people that are squared away and that will be able to help you you'll be able to use great products you'll be able to you know add certain things to your your production process that maybe someone who is charging lower won't be able to do like a great customer experience and then obviously it's going to provide for yourself and for your business and if the business isn't being provided for it's not going to probably not going to provide a great service probably not going to be great for people to work for uh and it's not going to help you so uh you need to have proper margins and and again you know 50 percent is kind of the starting point there's there's painting businesses that do well over 65 percent uh so it's not you know if you if you believe that 50 percent is is not possible or it's you know price gouging or something like that you really need to break that belief because it's definitely possible people happily pay that amount and and have great experiences with painting businesses that do 60, you know, 55, 60, 65% gross profit margins. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we really look into what our profit margins ends up, end up being, you know, uh, doing job costing. So, you know, we're averaging, you know, in that between the 50 to 60% uh, range and, you know, one thing that really changed the way that I looked at, um, you know, the the profit margins was um, reading profit first um, for contractors. And, you know, just understanding that if you're not, you know, aiming for that, then, you know, what ends up happening is you're just in that cash flow cycle, right? So you're just, you're selling the next job to pay for the production of the the job you're doing and it's like if the cash flow stops and then you're in panic mode because the money is not covering your expenses so you know what i had to learn is you know by having those healthy profit margins um your business is healthy so you're not relying on you know the next sale to cover the cost of the current job if that makes sense and you know i really want guys and gals in our industry to understand that it's it isn't unethical but it's necessary because we all understand that we are in the business of offering customer service right at at the end of the day and painting is just something that we do right um but really in order to deliver that great customer service um you know it's so necessary to have that that margin there uh, so like you said, to be able to like have software so that we're organized 
um, to be able to communicate better with our clients and show up professionally and, you know, pay guys a good living wage. Um, you know, so all of those things are really important um, and play into having good margins for your business. Um, is there anything that you want to add to that before we move on? Are you a home service business owner? Do you have a strategic way to get reviews for your business on Google, Facebook, and other platforms? If you don't, then you need to implement NiceJob. Since implementing NiceJob, we have grown our reviews from 10 all the way up to over 60 reviews online in less than a year. If you're interested in using this feature in your business and growing your Google My Business reviews, then click on the link in the show notes and sign up for a free trial of NiceJob. And let me know if you sign up so I can help you to implement it and get a strategy in place with your team to get more reviews so you can start winning on Google and beating out your competition locally. Uh, Just to dig in further on the um, margins. So a, a common question that I get is how much should I be making in my, my, in my business. Mm. And I think, you know, the answer, what I usually answer with is what are you, what are you doing in your painting business? Start with the roles of what you do in your painting business. So obviously there's the business owner. So the business owner, if you're completely passive, you should be making between 10 and 15% going to you in a passive you're just you have someone else running it you have team they're running it and you're passive you should be making 10 to 15 percent then so that's the that's how much you should be making as a business owner now if for most of us we're probably still working in the business in some 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 capacity if you're under 500k you're probably doing uh sales still so you're the salesperson. uh so that should be about eight to ten percent um uh, as a percentage of revenue. And then you're probably, if you're under 500K, you're probably also doing uh, production management as well. So basically making sure that the, the job's getting uh, completed, assigning crews, scheduling maybe, making sure the paint's ordered, making sure the customer's having a good experience. So production management, uh, that's usually five to seven and a half percent of revenue. So just to pause there, if you're if you're doing if you're the business owner you're doing sales you're doing uh, production management let's say you have crews uh, subcontractor crews or employee crews working on the job site you should be making uh, you know fifteen plus uh, fifteen for business owner plus ten percent for sales plus seven and a half for uh, production management so somewhere around twenty seven and a half percent of revenue should be going to you um, doing all those roles in your business. Uh, and then to take it another step, if you're still on the job site, um, maybe you're a one man show. So you should be making close to, you know, 60, 65% should be going to you because you're doing everything you're doing production. Um, I'm sorry, you're doing on the job site labor, which is around 30 to 35% plus sales, plus production management, plus uh, business owner. So 
that's a a rough framework you could use to kind of piece together okay what do i do which um add up the percentages to determine okay which would be my targets uh you know take home from the business that's good. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, just to reiterate, like, let's say if you've got that business um, who's, you know, making 500000 in revenue. Um, so essentially half of that is going towards, you know, uh, the labor and material and running that side of the business. And then if I understand what you're saying is the other 50%, that's part of the margin, 20 five to 27 percent of that should be owner's compensation is what you're saying and then the other let's say 23 percent is going back into the business so yes uh just to yeah so half the job would go to direct costs let's say you're, you're shooting for 50 50 gross profit so half the job would go to direct costs the other half would go to basically cash flow to owner um, cash flow to owner meaning either you're it's uh you're paying yourself a salary if you're if you're an s corp um officer or or it's just going you know to net profit because you're a, a sole proprietor and llc taxed as a sole proprietor so mm-hmm. yeah about 27 percent, 27 and a half percent is you know if we're doing sales op, uh, production management and um and uh, you're the business owner mm-hmm. so 27 and a half percent and that leaves like you said uh you know whatever it is 22 and a half percent to right. marketing um, accounting, uh, software for, you know, estimating software, insurance, right. And whatever other miscellaneous things. Sure. That's good. Um, anything else there? Uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's you could go so, so deep right on that. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that covers a, a good amount. Um, let's go on to, uh, the next question that I have for you. So, um, as a bookkeeper, um, how exactly are you helping uh, painting contractors to manage, you know, that side of their business? How are you helping them to manage their cash flow and and doing that effectively? Especially since you know you service um, you know the entire U.S., so you've got clients who are all over you know, different states and things like that. How, what's your approach um, to serving those painting contractors all over the place virtually, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. The first step is setting up a system that gets the data from your business to you to help you make better decisions. So the system is a part of it is your your bookkeeping software uh another part of it is your your crm or your estimation software um your you know where you're buying supplies from Sherwin williams all these different pieces you know often when folks come to us they they may they might have some of this stuff but it's not working together the data isn't being collected and and reported in their and their bookkeeping software and they're not even if and sometimes it maybe some of it is but they're not really seeing it because it's just sitting quickbooks online and they don't maybe not know how to or don't spend the time to figure out how to run the reports um in a way to to actually get some insight so 
most of the time we're when we set up this the system for folks you know we're tracking uh you know by service line so maybe they're doing interior exterior cabinets so we can see what their their gross profit margin on, is on each service line uh we're setting up tracking to get job costing information so how much are they making what's their gross profit on each uh job um maybe we're also tracking marketing return on investment so they have maybe multiple marketing campaigns going, Facebook ads, direct mail, whatever the case may be. So we can track a return on investment uh, for those items. And so the first first part is basically figure out what what what's your stack you're using, what's your tech stack. Um, how do we get everything to 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 talk to each other? What information do we need to pull out and tag appropriately to? get you the information to, to make decisions to get your business to the next level. So that's step one. Step two is implementing that and, and get basically setting up you setting you up on a dashboard where it pulls in this information automatically from uh, QuickBooks Online. We have some software that can basically update, you know, a, a Google Sheet dashboard um, and that, that updates every hour so they can see, okay, what their profitability is, what their marketing metrics are, what their liquidity and solvency is, what their cash flow is looking like, and custom reports, all that goes into a Google Sheet that they can basically, um, uh, it gives them all that information to help them make decisions. And uh, so that's the second step. And then the third step is once they're profitable and their things are working well, their biggest expense is going to be taxes. So, uh, you know, if you hit any level of success, taxes is going to be your biggest expense. So we help protect your profits um, through tax planning. Tax planning is basically um, basically sitting down with you, figuring out, okay, how much are you going to owe doing a tax projection based off of how you're performing, how much you're going to have to pay in taxes. The first part, and the second part, okay, now that we know you're going to have to pay $80,000 in federal and state taxes, what are some specific things we can implement to reduce your tax liability as close to zero as possible? And so that's done throughout the year before the end of the year so that we can save as much money as possible, get your tax liability as close to zero as possible so that you can keep more of your your, uh, hard-earned money. So that's generally uh, what we do for folks. We have other uh, services like payroll and and things like that. But that's kind of the core of what we do. Nice. Um, let me ask you this. What do you think is one of the most important things for business owners to be looking at, you know, as they put all of this data in, like, let's say they're using QuickBooks online, um, when they're running a profit and loss and balance sheet, what do you think are some of the most important things to look for on those profit and loss and balance sheets? And what is that telling the customer? Like, how is that, um, you know, communicating uh, to these business owners how to operate and run their business better? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is to make sure the, the data is accurate. So typically what I do, I guess, and anybody can do this, um, to just get a sense of if things are accurate or not, you can pull up your balance sheet if you run a a report a balance sheet report in your QuickBooks online and you just scan down the balances there you shouldn't with there's a couple exceptions to this but for the most part you shouldn't see negatives 
uh, negative balances because this balance sheet should show you the ba a balance as of a particular date, whatever date you ran at the top. It should show you a balance of all your accounts. So your, your bank account balances, your credit card balances, your Sherwin-Williams balance should be on there. Often don't see that uh, when fo fo folks come to us. Should show the you know balance for how much people owe you, your accounts receivable, how much you owe to other folks in the next 30, 60, 90 days for accounts payable. Um, so all those balances, with the exception of a couple things like a depreciation, they should all be positive balances and they should be accurate. So that's the first step, making sure you have accurate books, accurate information to work off of. Next, um, once that is determined that you're, you have accurate books uh, for the profit and loss, like to run a, a profit and loss and then show uh, there's a way you can toggle the profit and loss to show a percentage of income, which basically when we're talking about like what's your, your gross profit percentage, which, which should you make as a percentage? If you run a profit and loss, you can sort it so that it shows you the percentage of all your account items. And so, you know, first thing I look at a profit and loss is gross profit, because that's kind of the biggest lever you have to your own, your profitability. Um, so hopefully that's near or, or over uh, 50%. And then from there, if if the gross profit is good, then look at your bottom line profit. If it's um, if your bottom line profit is not where it needs to be, it's probably your overhead. If your gross profit is good, but your bottom line profit is not, not where you want it to be, it's probably you have too much overhead costs. That's not as common of a problem, but it, it does happen. And this gets down to, you know, you mentioned profit, um, profit first. I think they, they cover this from profit first, but basically you want to run your business with exactly what you need to run your business. Like you don't want to pay for things you don't need. Mm -hmm. um, so developing a budget, uh, you know, is really helpful for that. And so if your gross profit's good, but your profitability is not where it needs to be, it's probably your, your overhead costs. Um, and then, you know, uh, marketing is, is like usually a, a huge part of, of, uh, overhead costs, or it can be, it's not always, but, you know, making sure you're getting a 10, at least a 10 X return on investment for marketing. So basically your marketing should be about 10%, five to 15%, 15% being really aggressive, uh, as a percentage of revenue. Um, so, so that's the biggest part of overhead, uh, so those are th some things I look on the the profit and loss. Going back to the balance sheet, you know, um, we already reviewed it for accuracy, but what you would want to look at for liquidity, liquidity just means what is your ability to pay debt in the short term. I look at, you know, what your current assets are. Current assets is just like what's your cash, what is your accounts receivable, what what people owe you. And compare that to your current liabilities, which basically, what do you owe in the short term? Like your Sherwin-Williams account, your credit card bill. Um, and so the ratio between your current assets and your current liabilities should be ideally somewhere two to one, two to one or better. Um, so that means you have $2 of current assets compared to $1 of current liabilities. So that just gives us a... Um, a good feeling that we're going to, you know, be able to make our, be able to pay our bills in the, in the near future. Um, and then the last one 
is solvency. And this is just basically, is the business able to pay its debt in the long term? So liquidity is ability to pay in the short term, solvency, ability to pay in the long term. And if you, uh, an easy way to do this is just make sure that your equity is, is positive. And uh, th that's not to, to get too detailed. Um, your equity needs to be positive. If your equity is ever negative, that's not a good sign because that basically means your your business is better dead than alive, which is not good. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So those are just some things that I would look for on on your financial mm -hmm. statements. Yeah, that's a lot of really good information. And you know, I think this. You know, just as I'm listening to you, I'm like, wow. There's you know so much um, you know depth of understanding right of that uh of the finances that you understand um, because it's what you do now i remember when i first started my painting company um almost seven years ago um i had a mentor and his mindset was like do as much as you can by yourself to save money and you know he had a painting company he had done all of his bookkeeping and accounting himself and you know didn't hire anybody and his whole like mindset was like, why would I hire someone else when I can do it myself and save money? So um, initially, when I first started out, I was doing it myself. And then for the first time ever, I got this big tax bill. And I was like, what in the world? Like, what is going on? I was like, I have got to hire somebody else because um, at the end of the day, this is it's costing me money because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so, you know, just for... Um, those people out there, is there any kind of like data um, that you know of that shares what the average person trying to do um, their own bookkeeping, um, you know, just from common mistakes, how much money could possibly be on the table? Kind of, can you put like a, um, you know, monetary value on like what those mistakes could be costing people? Yes, I, I can. It's a great question. I, we track how much we save folks on from when we do tax planning. The average client saves about twenty nine thousand in taxes mm. when wow. we uh, do do tax planning for them. So, but yeah, it's little mistakes um, or you know simple mistakes can can be pretty devastating. Uh, I just I just got off a call with someone today actually. They have an S corp, which, by the way, you know, if you're a smaller business, be aware that you know, electing S corp taxation might be might be in your benefit uh, once you hit sixty thousand or more in in rep in, in profit in bottom line profit bottom line profit. Um, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases. But anyway, I was talking to an S corp owner. He had a painting business. He was the S corp uh, owner, and he as part of being an S-Corp owner, you have to run salary. The problem was he was running a very high salary. He was running like a hundred thousand dollars of mm. salary, um, which is very high, especially what he did in the business and the, 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 in the, in the size of the business. Um, mm. You know, they were only doing, I want to say 500 K in revenue, which, you know, is decent, but it, it it's not a super large painting business. So mm -hmm. he would run a hundred thousand dollar, salary and we when we do some compensation re reports basically we we take 
you know, uh, your, where you live, we look at the roles that you perform in the business, and then we calculate, okay, based off of the available salary data in your area, you should pay yourself a reasonable salary of $50,000 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that for him and he was around $50,000. So he had basically overpaid himself through payroll uh, uh, by $50,000 because he was paying himself $100,000. He probably would have got away with paying himself $50,000 and that would have saved him. Uh, I think it was like six, six thousand or no, 7,000, 7,500 in, um, $7,500 in payroll taxes that he overpaid because he just ran too much through payroll as an S Corp, S Corp officer, uh, when he could have paid himself half that amount and saved that $7,500. So th- mm. that's just a, a simple example where you think you're doing the right thing, running payroll, but you just ran rate way too high of payroll and uh, it cost them thousands of dollars. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's- yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, like just to to hear you say that because that's a lot of money on the table, right? And that you know that savings that you could be getting could be making a night and day difference in your business. So I, you know, I think one of the smartest things that I ever did was you know outsource uh, bookkeeping and accounting, and um, you know, uh, you think you could be saving yourself money, but you're really costing yourself big time. Um, is there any other details that you want to go into on the importance of, you know, the, the bookkeeping side of things and how you're saving your customers money? Are you a home service business owner that is trying to get off the ladder and work on your business instead of in it? Well, you need a robust CRM that is going to help your business to be more efficient and streamlined so that you can get your time back to focus on things that are going to help your business grow. Now, Jobber is going to help you to manage your client request, your quotes, your jobs, and your invoicing. You can do everything all in one place and manage everything from start to finish. And not to mention Jobber payments. You don't have to chase around checks try to go and collect cash or wait for checks to come in the mail anymore. You can just get paid right on the spot with Jobber payments. If you're interested in implementing Jobber into your business, click on the show notes below and sign up for a free trial of Jobber. That's not it. Reach out to me. I want to help make sure that you maximize everything that Jobber has to offer so that you can get your business growing right away. Thank you so much. And let's get back the off the ladder podcast. Uh, I mean, we, we talked about knowing your numbers in terms of how much you should be making your gross profit margin. Uh, the, the thing we didn't talk, we, we, we talked about marketing should be 10 X um, return on investment. Um, and some, some key numbers. And we talked a little bit about tax planning. I mean, those are the, the basics. Obviously we could go, deeper on let me let me ask you this question and you may not have an opinion on this one way or the other but um when i when my business started to really take a um a downturn last year um you know i i was you know you talked about marketing costs um i was paying for leads Mm -hmm. have you seen and like I said, I don't know if you'll have an answer to this or not, but have you seen 
any businesses that are successfully using lead services like you know whether it's angie leads home advisor um you know craft check there's a ton of them mm -hmm. um that have really healthy uh profit margins and are doing really well in business um or do you see that there's like a correlation between paying too much you know for leads and spending too much money there and it not really being worth what they're they're getting um do you have any insight on that yeah uh, i've seen i've seen businesses that are very successful using angie's leads or whatever um and then i've seen businesses that are not successful using them so i think you could do it either way I, just an example and there's a i'm working with a 2.5 million dollar business they use angie's leads and um I want to say craft Jack or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, they get, but they get leads from other places too. Like mm -hmm. they do customer reactivation, direct mail. So it's just one of the sources. Um, so they, what we do for them is we, we track the return on investment for each individual marketing campaign. So they know that they get a, you know, a nine X return on Angie's leads and a, uh, you know, a seven X return on more direct mail, but then they get a lot of customer reactivation, which is super cheap, and they get like a twenty X return. So they uh, we, we track all the 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 return on investment for each of those marketing campaigns, so that they can, you know, if things start going weird, you know, south, they they might allocate money from one place to another. But you know, I for paid leads, um. I think people, I think the leads can work. I think the the issue often is the folks that are really struggling is they're probably not pricing. It goes back to what we talked about in the beginning is probably not pricing high enough or they're trying to compete on price. And, mm -hmm. and so they're, they don't really have the budget to really pay for the paid leads because they're, you know, they're not, they're, they're charging so little. Um, right. Cause it, you know, we, we call it the customer acquisition cost, which is your, how much your lead or how much does it cost to close a sale is the customer acquisition cost. So how much do you pay for marketing and how much do you pay your salesperson? Now you might be the salesperson, but you know, uh, to use the numbers we've used before, your salesperson should be getting about 10%. And then your, how much you're paying for a lead is five to 10%. So your customer acquisition cost might be is usually somewhere around 15% or so. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind that if you, if your average job size is, is $5,000, then your customer acquisition costs that the cost to close a sale should be around $750. So you have $750 to get the lead, pay for the lead, and then also pay your person, your salesperson to close it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, having a higher average job size is going to give you more money to work with. So if your average job size, we work with somebody out of California, he's killing it. He has like a $15,000 average job size. He's doing residential repaint. His average job size is off the charts. We usually see five to $10,000 average job size. He's doing 15000 So he has a lot of marketing budget to capture, to, to, to acquire these jobs, you know, because it's just a really high um, 
average job size there. So yeah, um, marketing definitely needs its attention for sure. And, and understanding, you know, how much should you be paying for a lead? I think some people don't understand that you should be willing to pay, you know, if you have the correct margins, like that, again, that gross profit margin built in there, you should be willing to pay, you know, five, 10, maybe even 15% in some cases to get a, to get, um, to get a customer, uh, another rule of thumb for how much should you be willing to pay is, um, for a lead is, uh, or for your customer acquisition costs, I should say. So your customer acquisition costs would be paying for the lead plus your, your, uh, your salesperson to close it. Your customer acquisition costs shouldn't, should be no more than one third of your gross profit. So if you're, gross profit is 45%, your customer acquisition cost should be no more than 15%. Uh, so Got that's it. just a, a rough rule of thumb there. Um, but yeah, the marketing is uh, definitely something to pay attention to on, on that return on investment. Nice. Let me ask you this. Um, obviously, you're working with a lot of uh, painting contractors. Um, you know, I've heard different opinions on this, but based on revenue um what are some good metrics that a painting contractor business owner um could have for knowing when to hire um you know additional employees um you know let's say whether it's like an admin role um you know painters project manager um a sales rep can you give some like standard um you know, metrics that a, a painting contractor might want to hit before considering those things? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's actually a um, good question. It's related to that question we talked about, what, how much should I be making? Mm -hmm. You know, um, so it's a, a similar question just on the other side, of the, the flip side of the coin. So um, often the first major hire is the production manager. It can be the salesperson, but for most folks, you know, obviously you're going to hire your crews first, um, like hiring crews that that's a thing. And you, you basically need to hire crews and, and, and run jobs profitably, obviously. But the first kind of major hire is, is your production manager, usually somewhere around, uh, 750,000 or, or higher. Um, and, mm -hmm. and to, to, to understand if you're ready to, to hire that person is basically going back to your, what are you doing in the business and what was your margin? So as we talked about before, if you're the, the business owner, the salesperson, and the production manager, you should be, uh, cash flow to owner should be 27, 30%. So that's what you should get your margins to before you hire a production manager, because a production manager is going to take five to 7% um, of revenue to, 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 for, to allow you to, 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 to pay somebody full time to do that. And usually the revenue level for that one is, like I said, somewhere around 750000 or higher. Because if you do 750000 uh, times 0 0.077%, that's about uh, a little over $50,000 a year salary. Mm -hmm. So um, so that would be a good rule of thumb. And then for the salesperson, usually if you bring on a production manager first, um, and obviously you could bring on the salesperson first too. Some people um, don't like doing sales. They want to get somebody else to do that first. But 
for the most part. Some people are doing production managers first. And then the next major hire is your first salesperson or maybe even first two salespeople because mm-hmm. some people want to hire salespeople in twos uh, for competitive reasons, keep them competitive. But again, for the salesperson, they should be getting 10% of what they close, uh, eight, eight to 10%. I mean, you can pay them in that range, eight to 10%. Um, and do so- you, Do you recommend commission or like a salary plus commission for- uh, sales reps for the, for the most part the the, <clears throat> the the painting businesses i work with that are really successful they're paying their um salespeople almost uh either completely commission 100% commission or just like a very low base salary or a um you know initial training hourly rate that's very low mm-hmm. because the thinking is you know you want your salespeople driven right and, and and they want you want you want people who are hungry and they want to make money mm-hmm. so you you give them as high of a percentage as as is feasible you know eight to ten percent uh and you basically don't pay them much else other than that because you want them hungry to close sales for you yeah that's good uh the production manager is usually more uh salary and mm-hmm. folks do um do uh, bonuses though, or uh, commission type type with a uh, like production manager? Yeah, like a gross profit tied to gross profit and tied to uh, NPS net promoter score or some sort of customer satisfaction metric. Mm-hmm. So so that they're getting evaluated on: Are you bringing in profitable jobs for gross profit, and then are you uh, making sure that customers are happy? Uh, and so tying their their pay to that as well. So maybe doing you know, 50% salary and then the other 50% uh, bonuses based off of their performance with gross profit and, and, and customer satisfaction. Gotcha. Um, we, we don't have much time left, but I have one more question for you really quick. Um, you know, one thing that I hear a lot of times is obviously, you know, people say it's hard to find great help. What can I offer? Um, and you have people questioning, like, do I need to offer, um, you know, different things like healthcare or, you know, a 401k, Roth IRA, whatever um, benefits for their employees. Um, For those who may be considering that, asking that question, uh, do you know if there's any type of, you know, metric uh, for painting contractors uh, to reach as far as revenue to even consider offering those things um, to their employees? And if so, what is that? So there's actually low, there's no cost benefits, there's a low cost benefits, and then there's high cost benefits. So most folks, when you say benefits, they think, like you said, healthcare, 401k, those are kind of the high cost benefits. Um, but there, are, you don't want to forget about there are some no cost benefits and low cost benefits. So no cost benefit would be something like um, advances, you could, you could, you put in your your um, job description or your your job ad that you do advances, you know, up to a certain amount, um, you know, whatever the, the the constraints are with the the advance. But that is a real benefit to employees that are, especially if they're living paycheck to paycheck, the ability to to get an advance that could be a huge benefit to them. And obviously, there's sort of a cost there, but it's an advance is you know you 
take it out of their, their paycheck on the, on the next paycheck. So it's, mm-hmm. um, so that, that would be an example of a no cost, a low cost benefit would be something like QSERA, which is a uh, stands for qualified small employer health reimbursement arrangement. And so what this is, instead of offering full-fledged healthcare, you can do a reimbursement arrangement where it, it, you set up a policy saying that you do QSERA and you establish a cap of, um, you know, let's say $200 per month per employee, they can submit health costs, whether that is premiums that they had to pay or um, hospital bills, they can submit that to you for reimbursement and you reimburse them up to a certain amount, you know, $200, whatever you want to set as the, as the, uh, as the cap there. And so you reimburse them tax-free because um, again, Usually when you give your uh, employees pay, you have to run it through payroll and pay them, you know, pay the payroll taxes on it. But this would be a tax-free reimbursement to them. So it's tax-free to you and to them. uh, So they just get that. If they put, you know, $200 in hospital bills, they would get that $200 right back to them uh, with no taxes applied to it. So um, it's a, it's, and plus you have control as a business owner, you have control where you can set a cap, uh, where, you know, it's, it's, it's something that within your budget that you can put in and it's a health benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an example of a low cost benefit. And then you have your, your high cost benefits like 401k, um, healthcare, 401ks, retirement plans, um, that can often be depending on what your tax strategy is, you can often offset the cost of a retirement plan by having a tax, by being a part of your tax strategy for, for your personal taxes. So um, the, uh, the cost can often be offset with, with some tax planning in, in place. So uh, for that one, it's um, dependent on your situation, how much you're willing to put into retirement and everything like that. But the, even with the four, there's the 401k, which is the most expensive, but there's other ones like the simple IRA is, is a lot less expensive. And then the SEP IRA is, um, I mean, essentially free, but you might need to have someone help you file file things for it, but it's pretty inexpensive. So there's even different uh, costs for, for those retirement plans. That's good. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, I've realized as a, um, as a business owner with employees is that, um, you know, it's surprisingly, you don't necessarily have to offer like, um, you know, health insurance and, um, you know, retirement accounts and things like that to retain great employees. A lot of times it's setting an expectation and delivering on it is what I found. And then um, having great culture. And, you know, we do offer some things like paid time off, which our guys really appreciate. But um, yeah, for myself, I just haven't really seen that that's 100% necessary. But I appreciate you giving some feedback there. Um, So we just have a couple more minutes left. Obviously, the theme of this podcast is, is helping guys get off the ladder out of the field um, so that they can run a business. Uh, what I'm really big on is building a business that, you know, I could eventually sell one day or it's operating without me so that I can focus on things that, 
matter the most to me, like, you know, focusing on my, my faith and my spiritual life, serving my community, um, you know, spending time with my family, having a healthy marriage, um, being a great father, making time for hobbies and having fun. How, just as a, a real conclusion, how important is it uh, for these painting contractors with these businesses to um, really understand their numbers and what are going to be those things that they need to pay attention to, um, to be able to get out of the field and to, you know, get off the ladder and run those businesses where they don't have to be, um, you know, present a hundred percent of the time. What would be your final feedback on how all of the pricing jobs, right? Um, profit margins and all that plays into that for these painting contractors. Right. Yeah, for for in order for someone to get to the place where they can get a team in place and grow it to a their business to a size that that will allow for that, they have to know their margins. Because if you don't know your margins, then you don't know your business. So you're not going to be able to accomplish that. So if you want to accomplish what you just described with having, you know, getting a team in place, having time to pursue other things, you absolutely have to get this dialed in. Otherwise you will, you will not succeed at that because it just requires you to know this. That's really good. Um, so if somebody wants to reach out to you um, for your expertise, your services, um, what is the best way for someone to get in contact with you? You can go to uh, bookkeepingforpainters.com and schedule a free consultation to, uh, to talk to me to see what opportunities you have in your business. Or you can... Um, I also have a podcast, the Profitable Painter Podcast, uh, which you can go find on any podcast platform. Um, or you can uh, friend me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm on all the socials. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for your expertise and diving into this topic. Um, you know, maybe in the future, we could have you on again and do some deep dive into some specific topics. But thank you so much for your time. And um, yeah, uh, thank you to my audience for watching this podcast. If you found find value in it, please uh, like it, uh, comment on it, share it, and subscribe, subscribe to my channel, as well as check out um, my other socials. And I'll see you next time for the next episode of the Off the Ladder podcast.